10. Okay, notice in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, says, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. What I want to talk about this morning is vain worship and traditions. Vain worship and traditions. We see in this story, we have these uh, you know, Pharisees who are all caught up in their traditions. They're all caught up in how important it is you know, to wash your hands before you eat and stuff like that. And they're kind of picking on Jesus' disciples because they don't follow all of their traditions that they're proud of. And you know what? Some of these traditions they had are fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with washing your hands before you eat. Tommy, the speaker's kind of buzzing a little bit. You might turn that down. But there's nothing wrong with that. These are, these are good things. That's actually a good practice. But the thing is, they were using these things, things that God didn't necessarily command as a form of worship, as a form of, you know, an offering they could bring to God showing just how great they are. But Jesus said, in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So while these people are putting all this religious effort out there, we see that it was all in vain. They were getting nothing. All the work that the Pharisees did to try to make themselves acceptable to God and to please God, Jesus said it's all in vain. And not only that, not only were many of these things that they did you know, probably impressive looking to people, Jesus not he didn't say, you know, it's pretty good or it's impressive. You know, he told them you're hypocrites. Jesus actually wasn't impressed with it one bit. And in this chapter, he's dealing with a very religious people who were very lost. These were a people who were not saved. They were on their way to hell. Yet they were a people that were very active in their religious practices, in their worship, in their traditions. But either way, they were as lost as could be. While on the surface, some things were impressive looking, we, and you, know, you could even commend them, Jesus said, you know, when He was talking about these people, I mean, He said they were full of dead men's bones. You know, that's how their mouths were. I mean, they were just a wicked, wicked people, even though outwardly, some of them looked pretty good. And this passage, it actually, the reason I'm preaching on this, this passage was going through my head a lot when I was in Ireland. If you, when I was over there this week or last week, I was just amazed at just certain things about the culture. Some of the things actually that were kind of even impressive, but at the same time, um, you know, you, I kept thinking about Matthew chapter 15. Over, because over an island, it is a very Catholic country. I mean, everybody there is Catholic. When we went out soul winning, I mean, I, it was just one shutdown after another. Everybody shut me down. As soon as I say I'm Baptist, you know, Catholics, they think Baptists are Protestants and they hate the Protestants over there in Ireland and they just shut me down. I mean, they, they didn't want to hear anything that I had to say. And of course, when we were there uh, on Saturday and Sunday, that was their big uh, first communion, uh, the first communion weekend. That's where all the little girls wear the white dresses and they go to their first communion. So everybody was like in church clothes. Everybody's going to church. I mean, everybody's doing that there in Ireland. I mean, it does. It, it literally seems like everybody's Catholic. You can't drive down the road very far without seeing a great big Mary statue somewhere. I mean, very Catholic. And you know what? A lot of things that I noticed when I was over there were actually impressive looking. For example, the uh, you know they seem to have a stronger family structure than we do. In Ireland, there was lots of 
moms and dads with kids everywhere. I mean, uh, but at the same time, they're losing it. They've just passed a law. Apparently, over there, up until recently, it took about two years to get a divorce. Now, you can do it just like that. You know, uh, up until just recently, abortion was illegal in Ireland. Now, completely legal. Now, gay marriage, completely legal in Ireland. Now, the prime minister is a full-blown open sodomite in Ireland. Okay? But at the same time, you see stuff that's impressive looking. I actually thought their country looked even more conservative than the United States. I didn't see near as many freak shows over there as I do when I'm here. When we were in the city, you know, the O'Hagans, I was with, they were talking about how bad the city was and they were like nervous. Uh, you know, uh, they, we were in this one place and, uh, you know, Miss Fiona, she was nervous and wanted to stay with the car. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, compared to Chicago, I, I, I wasn't worried a bit. I'm more scared in, I'm more scared in a couple places here in Sterling than I, than I was over there in the city in Ireland. So, I, and, I mean, the, most of the young men there, I mean, short hair, clean cut looking. Uh, they don't dress near as queer over there as they do over here in the United States. I, I just, I didn't see that when, when I was over there. Okay, but let me tell you something I did see. I saw people that were hostile to the gospel that did not like it one bit. I see a country over there that is clearly, I mean, heading for deep destruction. When you see, I mean, because like I said, it, it looks good, but they're voting in a sodomite as a prime minister. You know, they're now making all these things legal. Clearly, things are not just as they appear over there. It is bad. And the people who live there, I mean, that are saved, that are Christian, I mean, they're just talking about how bad things are getting out there. I mean, it's, it is horrible what is going on in that country, yet that country is so religious. But you know what? Their religion is 100% vain. It is empty. It is for nothing. I'm one of the only people that I even kind of got to really give a good gospel presentation to when I was out knocking doors, it was an older you know, gentleman, Catholic, and I'm talking to him and uh, you know, asking what he thinks you got to do to go to heaven, and you know, and he's talking about good works. And I, to, I tried to explain him. I was like, "You do understand that salvation is a free gift." And he's like, "Oh, it's a free gift, but you can't just take it and do it for nothing. You know, you still got to do something." I'm like, "Well, then it's not free." You know, and I'm not saying it that way, but that's what I'm thinking. I was like, "How can it be a free gift, but you still have to do some work?" You know, you know, and I, I, and I said, you know, do you understand how, you know, it's not of work? Goes, I, I understand it's not of works, but you know, you can't just not do any works. <laughs> you know, what I mean, that was pretty much what he's saying. And it's just like, you know, how can you not see this? You know, but the truth is, these people, I mean, on a regular basis, they're going. They've said so many hail marys. They've said so many our fathers. They've taken so many communions. They've just done so many of these religious practices for so many years. I mean, it's almost impossible at this point to get them to reject that and admit that they have been duped, that they have done it wrong their entire life. Yet, even though, so you see a people over there that are as religious as all get out. And let's just admit it: the Catholics, you know, historically have had some things right. All right. For example, they've always been against abortion for the most part. You know, they have been for the sanctity of marriage. But you all understand that even on areas where Catholics are right, they have always taught those things as like a means to be saved and go to heaven. Therefore, it was all for nothing. 
Therefore, they took a good teaching and they made it evil because they made it something that is basically a, a work salvation that is only going to send people to hell. So you can see why these people are all rejecting it. And you can see now why it's all just going down the toilet. And because the truth is, for centuries in this country, these people, they have been just practicing vain worship and traditions. And it has produced nothing. It has produced a country that is going down the toilet. And you know what? We've got the same kind of junk going on in our country too. I just I was just reminded of it so much more this week. And I want to I want to talk about some of these vain worship and traditions. I want us to understand a few things because hopefully it'll help us see the reality. Because often we look at certain cultures and there's things that we see that are maybe impressive. And maybe you know cause us to think, well maybe they've got something there. But I'm going to just show you how these vain worship and traditions, what, you know, first off, they produce nothing, but I want to show how you can kind of see through a lot of this because, you know, good traditions will help produce some good things. Okay? Said so if you have a tradition that people ought to stay married, that's a good tradition, isn't it? That's going to help your culture, isn't it? But if it, you know what? If you're not saved, it's not going to get you any closer to heaven, is it? If you're doing that, so you can go to heaven, it's not going to get you to heaven. There's a lot of people that are over there in those countries, I mean, fighting with all their might to not commit certain sins because if they do that, they're going to go to hell. And therefore, they have not gotten closer to Christ. They still are not saved. And they're just walking in darkness. And that country is being led off a cliff and they don't even know it. That country is in such bad, blind shape that literally, I mean, a vast multitude of people are signing petitions asking their leaders to ban a man of God from coming and preaching in their country. Basically, going to their leaders and saying, will you please tell us who we can and can't listen to? That's what they told their leaders over there. And they don't even realize that they're doing that. And of course, that leadership over there is like, of course we'll do that for you. We've been wanting to tell you who you can and can't listen to for a long time, but that usually gets us in trouble politically when we admit it. But here we have a bunch of sodomites over there and a bunch of sympathizers over there getting together, basically asking the government to take this power, and of course they gladly took it. What would make them do something that stupid? I'll tell you what, blindness. Spiritual blindness is what would make them do that. But So, their traditions, as you can see, even though some of them are good, it has produced nothing. They are blind people just like the Pharisees. And so, good traditions, they often reflect positively on a culture, but you know what? It's all vanity. Some of the, if, if your tradition, if your practices are just to make you look good, guess what? That's just vanity. If as a church, you know, we, ha- we can have all the right you know, music standards, all the right dress standards, but if we're doing these things as a way to get to heaven, if we're just doing these things for the wrong reasons, you know what? That's just vanity. We might impress other people when they come into our church and they look at us, but you know what? Is the, do the clothes you wear get you any more saved? No, that is, that's not what gets you saved. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And so if we have all these other things, but we don't have salvation, it's nothing but, but vanity and it's not going to last. And so if our culture has the best traditions that produces the best families that impress the world, it's still vanity because at the end of the day, guess what? We've all come short of the glory of God. 
All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You go pick the tradition out there. You go pick the best culture that you think exists out there today. And you know what? While many, their culture might be good in many ways and it has done some good things, you know what? They still come short of the glory of God. It's not going to get you saved. And so when a culture or religion has good traditions, you know, but like here in Matthew 15, their hearts are far from God, the solution can't be to throw out the traditions. Okay? Because that's, that's what's happening in Ireland right now. They've been spiritually blind for so long that no one over there knows why they do the things that they do. They have no idea. So you have, I mean, just generations of people, an entire nation that's for the most part blind, and that same group that had a tradition that believed in the sanctity of marriage, you know, that was against, that was for life and against abortion, has now just all at once just thrown it all out. I mean, just all at once they have thrown it all away. You know, why would they do that? Okay? And I'll tell you why, because they realize that all that vain worship, all that vain tradition, it's produced nothing for them. Okay? They're smart enough to know all that was bound down to idols did nothing for them, did it? All those Hail Marys never did a thing for them. None of those traditions ever did a thing. So you know what they're doing now? Now they're rejecting all the traditions that actually were good. And so you know what's going to happen now? They're going to lose every good thing that they had over there. It's all going to fall apart. And that type of thing is happening all over the world and it's even happening in, it's even happening in our country. It says in Matthew 23, verse 23, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye paid tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted, omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Okay? What's this talking about here? All right, we all know we all know this passage. You got these Pharisees; they want to get all the gnats out of the cup, but they well, they're fine with leaving a camel there. And you know what? We see that when you have a system of vain worship and traditions, all of them seem to have this huge problem of swallowing camels, of having a beam in their own eye. For example, in Ireland, while they had a lot of good traditions, you know what? They had one huge beam that they had sticking out of their eye. Drunkenness. One of the biggest problems they've had over there for centuries is they love to drink. They love the pub. I mean, you're not going to take away their you know beer from them and you know all those things. They love that stuff over there. Hey, bars, pubs, everywhere. I mean, it's it's insane how much drinking goes on over there. So while they had all these other good things, that is a huge sin that they had a huge problem with. Idolatry is big over there with all their Mary statues that they have all over the place. Okay, in, in the Muslim world, okay, did you know that the Muslims have some good traditions? That they have some good laws. You know, if you go over to Jordan, they actually have some pretty good laws over there that actually line up with the Old Testament when it comes to ex, you know who they execute. I mean, they put down perverts over there. But you know what? While they have some of those good traditions, they also have these massive beams sticking out of their eyes. So, for example. You go to pretty much any Muslim country, they hate homos over there. They, I mean, they throw them off buildings, they put them to death over there, but pedophilia is okay. They do, I mean, they despise, you know, they despise two men, but they have no problem with a man and a little boy. Okay? Now, 
That's horrible, folks. That is absolutely horrible. But you know what? The solution to the problems in these Muslim countries is not to just accept homosexuality. Okay? Hey, they need to keep feeling the way they do about that over there, but you know what? They also need to start hating the pedophilia too. And that's, we see that type of thing in pretty much every culture. But what's happening in our world today is instead of them just getting those beams out of their eyes, what are they doing? They're throwing out all the good stuff too. We see that even amongst Baptists, alright? Baptists have had some problems for a while. We've got, there's a lot of Baptists out there that basically are teaching a work salvation. They're teaching repent of your sin salvation. They're made, making people think, if you're not dressing this way, if you're not doing this, if you're not in church Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're probably not even saved. And you got people that are growing up trying to do all these things so they can feel like they're saved. They don't know if they're saved. They're all confused about what's going on. And what are these people doing? Instead of getting their doctrine right, you've got a new generation now of trendies that are throwing out the dress standards. They're throwing out all these good things that Baptists have done for years, but they've turned them into vain traditions. That, you know, and Baptists know better than saying, you have to do this to go to heaven. What they just do is say, if you're not doing this, you're probably not going to heaven. You know, it's because you never really did get saved. That's what, the, that's what they often teach people. And that's one of my, you know, pet peeves. But the thing is, when we do that, all of a sudden now, we start making good things become vain traditions. And vain worship, and it never produces anything. Okay? And when Jesus here, he's talking about them straining at a gnat and swallowing the camel, he wasn't condemning them for straining, you know, trying to get the gnats out. He's just telling them, hey, if you're worried about what you're taking in, why don't you get rid of that camel before you get rid of a gnat? Why don't you take care of the big thing before you worry, worry about all these little small things? And so one thing that every religious or good-looking religious culture has in common, and I say good-looking on the outside, is they usually have a massive beam in their own eye. Every, every time. So, you know, for the Irish, it's drinking and idolatry. For the Mormons... You know, they're pretty impressive looking. They outdo most of us in how they dress. They outdo most of us when it comes to evangelizing. But you know what? They're preaching the false gospel, so that doesn't count. But on those outward things, you know what? They also have a huge problem with pedophilia and polygamy and all those things, don't they? That's a huge problem that they have in there. You know, the Muslims, while they have some good things in their culture, you know what? They also have terrorism. You know, they also have, you know, pedophilia. I mean, they, they worship all, they have a lot of these terrible things that go with it too. And so, you know, with all these groups, okay, I don't want the Muslims to throw out some of their good, I don't want them to throw out their good things. Alright, I just want them to get rid of those other bad things. And ultimately, I just want them to follow Jesus Christ. I don't want the Irish to get rid of some of their good traditions, but I do want them to receive Jesus Christ. I want them to realize these are just traditions. These aren't going to save you. And I want it to start being something that actually produces something. So, you know, how do you know what you're doing? How do you know if you're practicing vain worship and traditions? Why do you do the things you do? Why are you coming to church? Why do you live the way you do? Why do you do the things that you do? It's important that you know that because many people are sincerely, I mean, they are sincerely taking a path to hell and they don't even know it. Just because you're sincere doesn't mean you're right. But let's look at just a few things real quick that I want to show you this morning. So vain worship and traditions, 
One other thing you'll find, they don't produce anything of any spiritual substance. Look what it says in verse 10 of Matthew 15. It says, And He called the multitude and said to them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came His disciples and said unto Him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? I like that too because... This is how a lot of Baptists are today. You know, like, don't you realize that you're offending a preach, you're, you're preaching offends people? Okay, the truth is what it is. All right, they're just gonna have to get over that. But you know what he, Jesus did? He just didn't do. He didn't do like pastors today and say, "Well, I'm sorry. Let me go back and clarify. Let me go back and rephrase what I said." Sometimes the truth is offensive. It says, but he answered and said, "Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up." Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, uh, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Alright? So what's going on in this passage here, these people, they thought spiritually, they thought what made them spiritual was all about what they ate, all about what they drank. If we do this, if we take this in, we're holy. If we don't eat the pork, you know, if we drink this way, if we wash our hands, that is what will make us spiritual. But they failed to see that even though what they tried to put in their physical bodies was good, they were still doing evil. They failed to see that while they had maybe some good practices, what was actually coming out of them was evil. You know why? Because they had an evil heart. And evil, it comes from within. It comes from the heart. It's not about what you put in your body. It's about what is in your heart. And you know what? You're not going to go to heaven by having an impressive lifestyle. You're not going to go to heaven because you come and you go and you get baptized in the tank and you get your sins wall washed away. You're not going to go to heaven because you came and you took up the Lord's Supper and you drank of that cup and you ate of that bread. That's not what's going to get you into heaven. You're not going to get into heaven because you went and you had a healthy diet. You never touched any pork. You only ate all the good, healthy stuff. You had a biblical diet. You know, all those things. That's not what's going to get you into heaven. What's going to get you into heaven is you've got to get your heart fixed. Okay? What makes you as evil as you are, it's not what you put in your body, but it's what's in your heart. And what's in your heart, it eventually surfaces and it comes out and that's what defiles you. That is what defiles a man. And let me ask you, what does it do for your heart to just go bowing down to idols? What good does it do for your heart to just go on and just practice all these religious practices? It does nothing for your heart. It does, has, there's nothing of any spiritual significance there because at the end of the day, the Bible says all our righteousness is, are as filthy rags. You will never impress God with your lifestyle, but you can, you can impress Him with your faith. If you'll just trust Him and believe in Him, you're not going to heaven living an impressive lifestyle. You've got to see your righteousness as filthy rags. And let me ask you, what does having all these impressive traditions do? You know what it does? It puffs you up. 
It makes you feel like, man, I'm, I am so good. I'm definitely on my way to heaven. Do you really think that's the attitude God wants us to have? Do you realize the work that got us saved? It was not you getting wet. It was not you eating something. It was not you, you know, you know, walking an aisle as a little girl wearing a little wedding dress and doing all the stuff that they do. You know what the actual work was? It was that horrible, cruel death that Jesus died on the cross. That is, that is what saved you. And so if you, if, when we go and we make salvation about some vain tradition, all that's going to do is lift us up with pride. That's going to do nothing for your heart. And you know what? You cannot convince people that are caught up in this junk that they deserve to go to hell. They do not see themselves as that bad. They see themselves worthy because of some religious practice. That is so wrong and not what God wants. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. So another thing about vain worship and traditions. A vain worship and tradition, they cannot produce a love for God. And this is something I try to explain to people all the time. I try to explain it to one of the people I talked to this week when I was over there. I told him, I said, listen, if in order to go to heaven, I have to obey God, then I will obey God because I love me. Okay? Do you realize that the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength? Look what it says. Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now think about this. If my performance as a Christian, if my obedience to the Scriptures has the potential of affecting where I spend eternity, then what do you think my main motivation is going to be for following the Lord? If I have to go to church in order to not go to hell, okay, what do you think is going to be the driving force that gets me to church? It's going to be the love for myself. Because I'm just going to admit it, folks. I don't like when I hurt. I don't like when I am in pain. I don't like when I suffer. And I'm just going to admit it right now. I don't want to go to hell because I don't want to suffer. It's one of the biggest reasons. All right? There's other reasons too. I want to see my loved ones again. I want to meet the Lord. I've got some good reasons too. But I don't want to suffer. And if I, if I, in my mind, I'm thinking, if I don't go to church, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go to church because I love me. But you know what? God wants us to love Him. He wants to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know what? He made it possible by one, the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. What did He do? He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. He gave us salvation freely. And He made it unconditional. We cannot lose our salvation. And because we can't lose our salvation... That means if I wanted to, I could watch football on Sundays instead of going to church. I could live for my own flesh instead of living for God and I would still go to heaven. And you know what? Many people don't believe that, but you know what? I'm sorry. It's the truth. It's what the Bible says. So then, and this is what people think. Well, if I believe that way, and I've heard Baptist preachers say this, now, if I believe that way, then I would just get saved and then go do whatever I want. Yes, who you just proved? You just proved right now who you love. You love yourself. But you know what? I actually do believe that. But I'm not going to go do all those things. You know why? Because I love God. 
And you know what? I would not have the ability, I would not have the freedom to love God if there was a chance that I could lose my salvation. So you know what? All of a sudden now, when it comes to my church attendance, it's not a vain tradition anymore. It's out of love. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm doing it because it's what I really want to do. When I go soul winning, it's not because I have to do it. It's because I want to do it. These things are done now out of love. I can actually do that. And you know what? Only the real thing can accomplish that in your heart. But vain worship, vain traditions, it makes it so you can't do that. These people are doing, they're doing the things that they do because they love themselves. Why are you giving your offering to the church? I don't want to go to hell. You know, back when the Catholic Church was selling indulgences. You know, people are giving all this money to the church. That sounds good, right? But they're doing it not because they love the Lord. It's because they want to get their, you know, grandma out of purgatory. You know, just, those people didn't love God. They were following a vain, empty tradition that was producing nothing. And the traditions, all the things of this world, it will produce not, It produces nothing. All right, but the real thing produces an actual love for God. And so, uh, look what it says in Mark chapter 7, verse 13. So, vain worship and traditions, it always produces an emptiness that causes everyone to ultimately reject everything associated with that. Look what, look, look what it says in Mark chapter 7, and verse 13, if I can find it. It says, making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered and many such like things as ye do. Now, this right here is in the same story that we're reading in Matthew chapter 15. But he adds a little statement in here that we don't see in Matthew 15. He was, he was rebuking them because he was like, here's a clear command in the Bible about honoring your father and mother. It was a clear command. But yet, they came up with a tradition that made it so they could kind of opt out of honoring their father and their mother. And Jesus told them, He said, your tradition, it has made the Word of God of none effect. Your tradition, it actually messed everything up. And you know one of the things that we're seeing today, He said in Baptist churches, is because they've turned a lot of these things of God into just these empty traditions, we're seeing a new generation that's just rejecting everything good associated with it. You know why? Because they never got anything out of it. They never got anything out of going to church because they thought they were going to, you know, they had to go to church to prove they were saved. You know, they, they never got anything out of going soul winning because they were told, if you don't want to win souls, there's something wrong with you. You must not be saved. No, sometimes people are just lazy. Sometimes people are just intimidated. It doesn't mean they're not saved. And so all of a sudden, they start just going and adding things that literally make the Word of God of none effect. It ultimately leads to full-blown disobedience. And so often when religion fails, and it always does, they end up running from everything associated from that religion. So you know, for years, Catholics in Ireland, they didn't get divorced because they didn't want to go to hell. But you know what? They're still on their way to hell and they know it. So now, what are they going to do? Instead of just getting right with God, they're just now going to do what they want to do. They're going to go ahead and get the divorce. They're going to go ahead and get the abortion. They're going to go ahead and do all these things. They often think that the rules were the reasons they were unhappy. But you know what? You know That wasn't the problem. The problem is they had a heart problem. The problem was they were doing all these things without Jesus. 
without faith. That's the only way you can do it. And I think the best way to illustrate this, I'm going to close, I'll close with this. Turn over to Luke chapter 7 and verse 37. Now, this is a very familiar story right here. But I want to point out a couple things to you in this story. Because there's only one way to get our hearts closer to Christ. And that is when we learn that we are an unworthy sinner whose only hope is Jesus Christ. See, I want, I want people, I want our culture to hate divorce. I want our culture to hate perversion. I want our culture to have a good family structure. I want families to come to church on Sunday. I want them to do all the good things that God told them to do, but I want it to be out of a heart of love. I want it to be done because they want to do it, not because they have to do it. Otherwise, it's all vain. Because at the end of the day, no matter how impressive looking we all get, we all still come short of the glory of God. I want it to be for the right reason. Notice this in this story. In Luke chapter 7, verse 37, it says, And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at His feet behind Him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Alright, now let me stop here for a minute, because I've talked a little bit about these Baptists that say, if you don't do this, you're not really saved, blah, 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 blah. Alright? Or the repent of your sins people. Okay, they tell you you have to quit sinning before you can get saved. And like, I don't know about these flimsy salvations that are out there. You know, these people that just think they can go and just you know pray a prayer and just believe and get saved. And we don't see any repentance in their life. Let me tell you about that woman that was a sinner. Man, she went to Jesus' feet crying. She was there washing feet. She's there just begging for her salvation. You know, you don't see that in people today. You don't see that when they're out knocking doors. You don't see them laying on the ground screaming out to God, just begging Him for mercy. You don't see that. Like that was what this woman was doing. This woman, this is here she comes just begging for her salvation, right? That's the way they try to interpret this passage. Okay, but let's, let's keep reading. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, another 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore whence of them will love him most. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom forgave, he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears. That's that repentance right there and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Now let me ask you, everything that we have seen from this woman, everything that Jesus has mentioned this woman, what are they? Works. They're all works, aren't they? I mean, this woman's doing a lot of works. Okay? And it says, My head with oil, thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto her, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? 
And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now what was going on here? I'll tell you what was going on here. You know what? He said, those who said, Thy faith has saved thee. This woman, you know why she was doing all these things for Jesus? Because she was thankful that she was saved. Because she believed that she was saved. Because she knew that she was saved. Here she was, a wicked woman, and obviously somewhere at some point, she heard Jesus Christ preaching the Gospel. She believed it, and she's now overwhelmed with joy for the fact that she is saved and on her way to heaven. And then what did she do? She's doing all these things out of love for Christ. She's doing these things because she loved Him. And so Jesus didn't say to her, Thy works had saved thee. He said, No, thy faith had saved thee. He was talking about even before. All these works that He was talking about here that she did were things that she did after she was saved out of appreciation for the forgiveness that she had received. She did not get forgiveness because she washed His feet, because she anointed Him. She didn't get saved for any of those things. She was saved by her faith she knew that, she believed that, and therefore just couldn't help but to go and just show some appreciation to him. She was able to do these things out of love. Not She didn't do it out of fear. She did it out of love. And you know what? Jesus received that. And isn't that what we would rather have? Wouldn't you rather your wife make you a nice steak dinner out of love rather than out of fear that you're going to beat the snot out of her if she doesn't do it and divorce her? Is that going to be a good marriage right there? That if your wife fails in a cooking you a good dinner, she's going to get slapped around and you're going to divorce her. Is that going to be, is that a marriage that anybody wants? No. Okay, but do we all not want the steak dinner sometimes? Alright. Okay, and it'd be better too if she paid for it too. Some of that stuff's expensive, you know. I'm just kidding there. But, if when that happens, isn't it better when it's done out of love? Isn't it better when they didn't have to do it, but they did it? And you know what? That's what God wanted for us. God did not want us going around doing all these vain traditions, going and praying and banging our head on the wall like the Jews do. He didn't want us going and doing all our crosses and saying our Hail Marys like all the Catholics do. That doesn't produce anything. You know what God wanted? God wanted us being like this woman, just serving Him out of love. Doing these things because it's what we wanted to do. So you know what He did? Instead of making all these rules and traditions and commands that we have to follow, you know what He did? He came and He sacrificed Himself so He could offer us a free, unconditional salvation that we can have and that we can just keep for all eternity no matter what, thus putting us in a position where we now are able to do things out of love for God. And let me ask you, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Are you doing them because you have to? Because you want to go to heaven? If you're doing it for that reason, you're breaking the greatest commandment in all the world. You're not loving God. You're loving yourself. And I'll tell you right now, if I had to go to church to go to heaven, I'd go to church. If I had to go soul and go to heaven, I'd go soul and If I had to go jump in a volcano to go to heaven, I'd jump in a volcano. But all those things I would be doing out of love for myself. But I don't have to do any of those things. And you know what? Thankfully, I haven't been asked to jump in a volcano. But all those other things that I have been asked to do, I now can do it because I want to please the Master. I want to please the One that forgave me the great debt. I want to, forg- I want to do something back for the One who loved me in a way that I could never love Him. And now, 
I can find myself in many situations doing the same thing that many people are doing. You know, there's, there's thousands and there's millions of people today in church today like me, but they're doing it because they want to go to heaven. You know what? That's vain. It's empty. There's no substance to it. I am doing the exact same thing they're doing today. I am in church, but you know what? There's actually something to it. It's actually out of love. It's something, it was my choice. I chose to do this. I chose, I chose to come here today. I choose these things. I choose to preach the Word. I choose to give the Gospel to the lost. I choose all these things because I love the Lord and now I can actually have a relationship with Him. But you'll never have a relationship from practicing vain traditions, vain worship. And that's what we have in our country today. That is what's going on over there in Ireland today. It is vain. It is worship. And therefore, it has produced nothing. It has produced a whole nation that's on their way to hell. And it is now, it's just now we're getting a real clear look at the real thing. And it's, it's not pretty, folks. And that's where our country's heading if we don't spread the right gospel and get people saved. That is what we need to do. So, that let's pray to your Lord. Thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the free gift of salvation. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to uh, continue studying the Word of God so we will realize just how much you forgave us, just how unworthy we are. And dear God, I pray that, uh, that, appre- uh, that will turn into appreciation so we will be like that woman, Lord, uh, just loving you back for all that you've done for us. And I pray you'll uh, help each one with that. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go.